Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. Um, it's good to be here. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul. Gather around. This is the Fabringen Show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. Our WhatsApp number is 061-895-1019. Our SMS number is 34519. And here we are, middle of the month of Sivan, middle of the month of June. And as always, there's so much to bring about, there's so much to talk about. Today, let's talk about a very simple topic worthy of thought. And that is, why do we think we know so much? Most of us walk around our days and our attitude to the world is that I pretty much know everything the world has to offer. Yeah, I might not be able to explain the special theory of relativity in the most coherent way. But other than that and others, uh, you know, and other abstract ideas, on the most part, I know uh, you know, I know, I know the, the knowledge that there is to know, and whatever knowledge I don't know is the irrelevant knowledge. Think about it. As young children, children love knowledge. They come home and they are thrilled with a new piece of information, and they want to share it with you. That they just discovered something about the galaxy, about the planets, about the Aleph Bet, about uh, Jewish history, about life. They're enamored, they're in awe, they're in wonder of the world and what it has to offer. But at some stage, we cross a threshold and now we are part of the knowledgeable. We are the wise people of the planet and we know everything. And after that, we pretty much wean down our learning gears, even think about it, school is for the first 20, 25 years, and after that... There's, no, there's not much left to learn. So uh, you try to learn here, you try to learn there, half an hour, half an hour. But on the most part, learning is over. I know what I need to know. Is that a good thing? And does that facilitate growth? Can a person truly grow when their attitude to life is, I know everything? So many of us, deal with life with an attitude, with a perspective of expectation. In other words, we we know what to expect already from life. There's no wonder left. We've seen the mountains and we've seen the oceans and we've seen the moods and the perspectives and we've sat in classrooms for many, many years and we know, we just know, the second a person feels that they know, the second a person locks themselves out of wonder, the, the moment a person locks themselves out of the potential for more knowledge, they've pretty much locked themselves out of life itself. Because life is exploration. Life is newness. Every day coming with a fresh perspective. Every day coming and listening to something new and seeing something new or seeing the old with new eyes. Unfortunately, so many of us are essentially tired. In other words, we don't allow ourselves to see things. I'll give you an analogy. 
they say that tired driving and drunk driving are pretty much the same thing. When a person drives over overtired, a similar thing happens to when they're driving drunk. And what is that? When a person's out of it, they're not noticing so much of what needs to be noticed when a person drives. Chances are, unless the person is, you know, absolutely oiskishnuket and slam drunk, they're still seeing a road. They could still, you know, see that the road is black and that the, and that there's a lane. Most drunk driving are not, you know, swerving across the lane. But what they're not, because of the alcohol or because of their tiredness, what they're not seeing is so many billions and billions of small little cues and details that each and every one of us that drives know that the amount of things that go into your head and the amount of decisions that you're making every single second, a lot of them consciously, a lot of subconsciously, but you're making decisions which is keeping you on the road safe in the right direction. And when a person is not fully compassmentous, when the person is not fully focused, they're not picking up so much of the cues, they're not alert to so much of what's going on, and unfortunately, that's why drunk driving can lead to to such tragedies as it unfortunately does. And in many ways, that reflects how we drive in the road of life. Are we driving through life tired, where we're just picking up the basics, where we're just going through the day, but we're blind to the billions of clues, the billions of lessons, the billions of newness that new ideas and new perspectives and new pieces of knowledge that are being thrown at us every single day if we only pick ourselves up at to look? Or are we driving fully alert? We're driving with our eyes open, our ears open, our mouth open, etc. We are driving with as true receivers, as true people who are willing to take it all in, allow the world to take what it, what it's there and to take what's there and to teach us something. The Baal Shem Tov, the great Hasidic master, used to teach that a great person is somebody who can constantly learn lessons from life, sees everything that happens in life, every single episode, every event, every blade of grass that's, you know, turning in a certain way. Everything is teaching a specific lesson. If we can come into life with that unbelievable approach of seeing the world as a classroom, seeing the world as a platform for us to grow, a platform that's there to teach us, to inspire us, to give us wonder, to, to, to help us renew ourselves day in and day out. If we could come into life with that perspective, then we are rich. Then we're alert. Then we're like a young child walking into an amusement park the first time, just being totally fascinated and in awe of everything they're seeing. They cannot believe this, you know, Disneyland they walked into versus the adult that walks in and they've been there 50 times. And they're just walking in so tired, so... It's so boring. I remember, you know, I grew up in in uh, New York and like any Jewish society, you reach a stage where you're going to a lot of barmies, bar mitzvahs. And over a year's time, ah, you end up going to 60, 70, 80 barmies in the grade. 
And there's no question, and it's not rocket science, that you could tell the difference between the first five barmies of the year and the last five bar- five barmies of the year. They're incomparable. The first five barmies, the kids are absolutely going wild. They're having so much fun. They're still listening to the, the boy giving his speech. They're fascinated by everything. They feel flattered and honored to be sitting at a table dedicated to them. They are the king of the barmy or the bati. And then at some stage, you've been to enough bar mitzvahs, about mitzvahs, you've been to enough episodes where it, it literally means nothing. And you're sitting over there, and then you start throwing cups at each other, and you start going out of your mind, and you're wild, and you you, you harass the caterer, and you barely dance. Why? Because... You've been here. There's nothing that can surprise you unless they do this most incredible, you know, glitzy event. You've seen it all. There's a living how many times you could go to Santon Hall. You've been there. I've seen it. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. It is what it is. But when that happens, when we know what to expect, when we walk into life and life has nothing else to offer us, we're not, we're no longer alive. We're no longer open to new, to the experiences. It's the same thing with weddings. You see it. You know, when a great starts getting married, the 23, 24, 25, everyone is excited. You come into the wedding, it's pumping. Five years later, the last few, you know, few are getting married in the grade and you just, it feels part cemetery. <laughs> it, it just feels terrible. It, 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 there's no inspiration. There's no excitement. It's like, okay, sorry, sunshine. We have to go out on a Tuesday night. My, my, my good friend's getting married. Yeah, yeah, whatever. We'll be there. We'll, we'll stay as long as we need to and then we'll go. And that's unfortunate. That is truly unfortunate. When we feel that life cannot surprise us, when we feel that we cannot bring freshness even to an event which seems so repetitive, So the message that we want to explore today in the Fabrengan show is really this ability of having freshness, the ability of being new, the ability of being chadash, new, and coming into life like a young child, coming into life with a perspective that says, wow, what can I learn today? What can I explore today? What can I know today that I didn't know yesterday? Even if it's the same knowledge, but can I know it deeper? Can I allow it to penetrate? Can I allow it to become part of me more than it's ever been? This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Afsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. At this stage of the show, usually we put on some music and it is absolutely wonderful to be here. This song that we call, we're going to play is called The Waltz Shabbat here on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 this is Rabbi Levi Afton, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. Once again, it's a privilege and an honor to be here at the High FM studio for bringing with you as we do every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. So, a few years ago, it struck me. You know, you, there's lots of different kind of personalities that we are surrounded with. And we are, you know, I'm myself a personality. And even our own personalities shift and adjust and change based on the day, based on the place of life we're at. But at some stage, I, I started being surrounded by quite a few personalities of people who were bitter, frustrated, cynical. 
So more than the word bitter, I would use the word cynical and negative, dark. And, you know, my self-righteous self at the time, you know, used to look at it and saying, gosh, oh boy, what, you know, what has life done to you to make you so bitter and so dark and nothing to, no longer any wonder about life. And one day it hit me that whenever you see somebody who's a frustrated, bitter, cynical individual, there's a very high chance, and it's probably it's a full chance, that this is a person who has so much creativity in them, so much potential, so much life in them, but unfortunately has no outlet, has not taught themselves, has not had the experiences, and has not had the skills to be able to use it. And that bottled up energy, that bottled up creativity is turning them into a frustrated, angry person. A person who had very little potential, if there is such a thing, but for example, just playing that game, somebody who's not naturally that talented and so creative and so many thoughts... They don't get frustrated by life. They're not disappointed. Like, you know, they don't expect so much of life and whatever life gives them, they have a natural, easygoing attitude. But for the person who feels that they have to give the world so much, they have so much in them. And yet they have not found the way to give it. They have not taught themselves or they have not had the opportunities to give the world. They end up so, so frustrated. I was reading a book recently about, um, you know, a person describing their parents and grandparents and their attitude that they had due to the fact that they were not able to truly express themselves. And that that made them so bitter um, versus the younger children who were, you know, the children who were born into a generation that allowed them more opportunities for self-expression and it allowed them to live with more freedom. So I actually, I just remember the book I was reading. I was reading actually Becoming by Michelle Obama. And she, she describes the, the home she grew up in and the grandparents she had. Um, her grandparents were grandchildren of slaves and her great aunt who was very, you know, difficult and bitter. And she says like uh, her parents had to teach her how to have compassion for her great aunt because her great aunt has been through so much because her own dreams and her actually her own grandfather as well. Uh, Michelle's own grandfather was not able to use so much of the dreams he had of going into certain professions, etc., because life did not give him those opportunities due to Jim Crow and whatever was going on in the world at the time. And to be able to have compassion, here was a person that felt that they had so much to give the world, but unfortunately they were unable to give it due to circumstance, etc. So a creative person who's not given that outlet, a creative person who feels that they have no outlet, whether true or not, sometimes there are factors outside that don't allow us to truly utilize ourselves, And sometimes the factors are within our own demons that we're battling, our own unhealthy perspectives that don't allow us to break out and do what we need to do. Regardless, that stifling of energy explodes. And it explodes very often into bitterness, into cynicism, into negativity. It's the same thing as in the political sphere as well. When you stifle certain voices within the political sphere and you don't allow them to have expression, eventually it bottles up and nine out of ten times, when it explodes, it is not exploded in a positive, constructive way, but rather in a 
destructive, negative way, because that's what happens to bottled up energy. When you take energy that needs to have an outlet, needs to have an opportunity to shine out, and you don't allow it to, when it hits the tipping point, it explodes. And this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the awareness that we must live with every day, that there's still so much for the world to teach us, and there's so much for us to give the world. Because if we have a perspective that the world has nothing to teach us and we have nothing to teach the world, what we're doing is we're just stifling both our own energy and the energy that the world has to offer us, and it never ends well. Rather, we should be walking in as givers and receivers, as as people who feel that there is still so much to explore and there's still so much to give. The saddest thing is when you meet a person, whether they retired or whether they, you know, life has beaten them up at some stage and they feel, even though they're young and they're vibrant and they're creative and their their mind is, is fully alive, they feel there's nothing left for them to give. And they sit withering away, losing the joie de vivre, the joy of life, losing their passion for life without realizing why. Why? There's so much more. There's so much more you can learn. I don't care if you're 80, 90, 110. There's so much knowledge we don't know. And there's so much the world needs to learn from us. There's so much our wisdom and our experiences and our talents and our creativity can enliven, can, can inspire. Why do we close ourselves up so quickly? You meet people in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s, etc., who feel that they've maximized the, their own potential in this world. They are the, the person they'll be. And whether they're living a life of true success and they feel that's their top or they're living a, a life of true mediocrity, Regardless, they feel that this is what I am. This is my role. This is what I could do. This is the maximum, you know, husband, mother, father, employer, employee, a career opportunity that I have. This is my bubble. This is where I'm locked into. And in this box, I will now cruise control. I will float till my very last day. But every morning that we wake up, every upper day that Hashem gives us an opportunity to wake up again, that our soul and our body reunite and rejuvenate in the morning after a good night's sleep, every day we are given an opportunity for newness. Chadashim Labkarim, every morning has to be new and fresh. And every morning, not only literally the morning, every new moment, every every moment of newness has to be fresh. We have to come with a perspective that's just saying, wow, what can I learn? There is so much knowledge out there. It's actually incredible how any of us fool ourselves to think that we know the world's knowledge or that we even know 1% of 1% of the world's knowledge. There is so much information First and foremost in Torah, in, you know, in, in, in our Jewish tradition, in, in Jewish mysticism and Jewish law and Jewish thought and Jewish learning and the Talmud, there is infinitesimal amount of knowledge. And in the world as large as well, there's so much. There's a database of, um, many of the books that were authored throughout history in the Jewish, in Torah. It's called Otzara Chachma. 
actually costs quite a bit of money to buy the, to have access to the database. You go in there and there are literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of books and you just, you like, each book is full of pages. I mean, I, you know, very often when we have guests over Friday night, and they've never been introduced to a page of Talmud before. I'll just open up a Talmud and I'll say, look how many words there are on one page. And there are thousands of such pages in the Talmud. And that's just the basic Talmud. That's before its commentaries where there are tens and tens and tens of thousands of more pages of literally 2,000 words per page stuffed. And each word is, is, it has, is cryptic and has so many different ways of looking at it. The knowledge the, is so vast. And we're like, yeah, I know pretty much. Come on. What, what, what really is there to know? Yeah, there's three holidays, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And we believe in one God. And, you know, you're supposed to keep Shabbat and eat kosher. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had an Abraham and an Isaac and a Jeremiah. I'm not sure who goes where, but ultimately we have a, a nice history we come from and life is just fantastic. And that is all. That is all life has to offer without realizing, oh my gosh. There's so much wisdom. There's so much to learn. I just look at my own bookcase at home, and I don't consider myself to have a large bookcase. I, you know, I have quite a few Jewish books, but nothing major. And I just look, and I'm like, will I ever get through even 10% of this? There's so much. And even the 10% I, you know, please God, get through, the 20%. There's getting through it, and there's really understanding it. You could sit on a page of Talmud. One of the fascinating things they teach us to do in Yeshiva when we're studying you know, in, in our teenage years in the Talmudic seminaries and high schools, they teach you what's called iyuna, how to delve into a piece of, of knowledge. And you could sit on one page of Talmud, and I mean it literally, for 50, 60 hours. Five, six hours, seven hours a day, for weeks on end, you're opening that same page, trying to understand in true depth what that page has to offer. And I guarantee you, even after 50 hours, you have not uncovered the various ways of doing it. You've uncovered a few. First, you open the, the the Talmud page. Then you open up a Rashi, and you try to understand what Rashi says. Each Rashi has so many layers. And then you try to go to Tosfot, and then you you just try to look at some basic commentaries, and you're trying to get your head around it. And sometimes you'll you'll learn that piece five, six, ten, twenty times over until you feel like you're getting it. And then uh, your teacher throws a question at you, a spanner in the works, and you're like, hey, one second, I, I, I'm not sure I fully get it now. I have to come with a fresh perspective. And you're literally sitting on the same page for tens of hours. So even the knowledge we do go through, are we truly going through it? Even information that we claim we know. Who doesn't claim to know the Passover story? Yeah, once upon a time we were slaves in Egypt and we came out of Egypt and there were 10 plagues and Moses um, redeemed us and he was a pretty cool leader and he took us to Sinai and God showed up and gave us the Ten Commandments. That story we can spend thousands of hours exploring. There is so much layers to that story. The Exodus story, which is the foundation story of Judaism. We're told to remember it all the time. To remember the Exodus. It comes into our Kiddush. It comes into our our services throughout the year. There is so much to explore in that simple story we heard as four-year-olds. Adam and Eve and the tree of knowledge. 
that story, you can explore and explore and explore, and we're still not going to even touch the surface. Now, that's not a reason to become despondent and not to walk into it. That's a reason to be full of wonder and sit there saying, wow, wow, where can I start? Give me something. Let me, let me, let me stimulate me. Like, come on, let's, let's go. Let's, let's try to explore this together. Let's understand something. Let's learn it. Let's, let's open up the wisdom. It is so unfortunate when we close ourselves up to, to life. To Hashem's wisdom, to, to what the world has to teach us. It's so unfortunate when we close ourselves up, you know, moving a slight direction to our children where I think, I know my child already. Ah, oh, come on. I've spent enough years with this kid. I know, I know what he or she is totally about. I know them. I know my spouse. Unfortunately, what, what very often what happens through divorce is not that the, the spouses are incompatible. It's just they stopped exploring each other. They stopped being interested to uncover the person and you know one person moves on this direction other person moves on that direction and they stop feeling they have anything common because they've kind of felt that the relationship dried out there was nothing worth talking about there was nothing there was no wonder i know you already yeah the famous you know comics of you know couples after 25 years each one ignoring each other and each one just teasing each other no there's so much to learn I barely know myself, and I've lived with myself for quite a few decades. I barely know myself. Who knows themselves? It's almost—it's impossible to know yourself. We're an infinite amount of of talent and creativity and wisdom, and mishagasin and craziness and idiosyncrasies, and there is so much to explore just of ourselves. Let alone the people we love, let alone the life. We should be walking around with our eyes wide like a young child. You know, one of the most beautiful things, you come home and your young child looks at you with these wide eyes. They're just fascinated by everything and anything. We should all be like that because the world is fascinating and crazy and insane and, you know, amazing and fantastic and all the above. But we have to come in with a perspective that says, I'm here and I want to see. I want to play with for you a song. It's called Ivdu. Serve God with joy, which is really that attitude of expansion and awesomeness. This is Ivdu by Benny Friedman here on 101.9 FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 FM. Rabbi Levi Afton, associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul here on Soul to Soul. So, we're talking about coming into the world, coming every day with an attitude of renewness, of freshness, of chadash, coming and seeing what can I learn? What can I learn? What, what can I learn from God's wisdom, from this world, from my, each other, etc., etc., etc.? That, um, you know, this week's parsha and the coming few weeks, when you come into Shul, you'll notice that we talk a lot about the Jews in the desert and their complaining. Bahaloscha, which is this week's parsha, then followed by Shlach and Korach and Chukat, four parshas, five parshas, after, one after another, is a lot of complaining, a lot of mistakes, and the parshas following that as well. There's a lot of, you know, Jews sitting in the desert after the exodus, not exactly sure what they want out of their lives, frustrated that they left, frustrated that they're not in Israel yet, etc., etc., just frustrated. And frustration, really, as we said earlier, frustration is 
when we feel that there is nowhere to go. We feel stuck. But a person who's an explorer, a person who feels that the world has so much to offer is not stuck. You could be in the most uncomfortable of circumstances, but you're not stuck. I remember hearing a, a, a you know, a intellectual question. I went like this. It goes, who's more free? Somebody who is locked up in a maximum security prison and has no mobility, no opportunity, but the one thing is that they have a tremendous passion for violin, and they were given the opportunity to have a violin in their cell, and they could play violin as much as they want. So there they are in a maximum security prison, and they're playing the violin. Versus the other person who's absolutely living in pure freedom. There is no limits on their time. Daddy and mommy sit there giving them a blank check every month. They have a credit card. They could swipe for whatever they want. But unfortunately, they got into bad habits or an addiction, etc. And now they're just, their life is tumbling downhill. And even though they have so much potential, they're just locked into a unhealthy pattern, whether they're just binge watching all day or they unfortunately got into alcohol or something else. Who's more free? The person in prison with a violin or the other person whose life is tumbling out of control? And the answer is actually a profound one, and that is that the person in in the maximum security prison who's using their talent, despite the fact that there is an injustice, a tremendous injustice, the fact they're in prison unless they have to be there, they are free because when they pick up the violin and they play it, they are transported, they are allowing themselves to the outlet, they are free to self-express versus the other person who has so many opportunities to self-express but unfortunately got locked, locked into bad patterns and got and fell into the, the sickness of addiction and they are t- truly enslaved. Each and every one of us, thank God, I don't, you know, we're, we're not in prison in a literal sense. But we have to ask ourselves, am I truly free? Or did I wake up this morning telling myself about 5,000 things I cannot do? 5,000, you know, pieces of information I cannot explore, that there's nothing new that the world has to offer. I'm so tired of life. That's what I feel. I feel often like, you know, looking around people, and even some mornings when I wake up myself, just tired, thinking that the world is just this repetitive, pathetic rat race, where everything seems deja vu, Groundhog Day. It's just the same, over and over and over. There's nothing that the world can teach me that I don't know. When we enter that stage, we are pure slaves. We are the worst kind of slave. There's nothing left to explore, both within me and within the world. How can that be good? In this world that the infinite God created with infinite wisdom, in the Torah that God wrote down with infinite wisdom, we can have the audacity to actually think that we've figured it all out, that there's nothing left. Eh, nothing. What am I going to hear? Seriously, come on. I mean, what are you going to tell me? I don't know. I know my wife, I know my husband, I know my kids, I know myself, I know I know life. I know everything. 
<laughs> you see, you know, you go to an interesting lecture, and you just watch how 50% of the crowd falls asleep before they get a chance. Now, yes, maybe the lecturer is not the best lecturer on the planet. Fair enough. Most lecturers, most lectures we'll hear in our life are not going to be given by the world-class lecturers, okay? It's just a fact. But do you allow yourself to get over the interest, you know, to get over the mechanics of speaking and actually listen to the idea? And what I find is even from the most boring speakers, there's something fascinating to learn. Unfortunately, knowledge became a sort of entertainment. Think about this. When you go to hear a piece of knowledge, when you go to hear a speech, a lecture, nine out of, nine out of ten, 90% of it is the presentation of the person. So are they funny? Are they charismatic? Are they looking at you in the eye as their back straight, etc.? All these subconscious cues, and that's what's going to determine if I'm going to stay up or not. But the truth is we should have such an obsession with knowledge that regardless of how it's presented, we should be there licking our fingers in excitement. I get to learn something. Think about people, you know, my my mother grew up in the former Soviet Union, and Judaism was outlawed there for many, many years. It was prohibited to study religion. And I've, I've read many books and, you know, even watched a few videos of you see people sitting there locked in a in, in a basement or in a room without windows, and they're just sitting and learning, and you see their excitement. When people live in societies that don't allow them to learn, and then they're given some access to learning, whether people in North Korea and they're, you know, being smuggled in USB cards with interesting information, they're fascinated by knowledge. And despite their unbelievable tra- the tragedy of them living in such a dictatorship, I'm envious of them because they are fascinated to learn. They want to learn. Versus so many of us that would, nah, nah, I know it already. Seriously, what are you going to tell me? I know it already, I know it already. It's, uh, I'm tired. There is so much to learn. There is so much to know. And the message that I want to, you know, wrap up and finish off with today is, whether it was this show, you know, whether there was anything new you learned or whether or not, irrelevant. There is always something we can learn. Even if we know everything, we can learn it in a whole new way. Let us allow ourselves to feel excited for what the world has to offer. Stop thinking that we have the world figured out. You know, yes, the world is going through a funny phase. And some things about the world are quite strange, whether it's, you know, the xenophobia, which is growing across the world, anti-Semitism, racism, etc. Whether it's other things, whether the economy, whether you're nervous about certain things, irrelevant. But if, if, if we're getting tired of life or we're getting frustrated by life, if we're not still full of wonder, then we're, we're walking dead people. We're, in a way, even worse. We're, we're, we're alive and we're not alive. Regardless of the, you know, the, the hiccups of life, regardless of the challenges of life, life is amazing. Life is fascinating. Judaism is fascinating. Our personalities are fascinating. Everything is fascinating. Just run out. Be excited. Be excited to learn. Be excited to explore. There is, in this beautiful world that we live in, God has given us a touch of infinity. All we have to do is to get out of our jail that we put ourselves in, convincing ourselves that we figured life out, 
and just let go and uh, become receivers, become kalim, become vessels to allow ourselves to receive what this world has to offer. And it has so much. Wishing us an attitude of openness, an attitude of freshness, an attitude of wonder. Really, that's what it is, an attitude of wonder. Life is so awesome. It really is. Despite its challenges, life is awesome. Every day is awesome. Our minds are awesome. Our hearts are awesome. Life is amazing. Wishing you and yours a great day, a great week. Please, God, next week here on 101.9 Chai FM, finishing off with a song. This is Chamol from Shlomi Dax, a beautiful song here on 101.9 Chai FM. Have a great day.